Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Who is going to head up the new White House Office of Gun Violence Protection? Hey, everybody. So I have some big news to share. We are announcing the creation of the first ever White House Office of Gun Violence Prevention. And we are doing this work in large part because of the activism, the organizing, the marching, the voting of all of you leaders, be it students, parents, teachers, community leaders who understand that living free from gun violence should be a right. So we're gonna work on this together. We're gonna continue to fight for reasonable gun safety laws and for the ability of all people to live their best lives free from fear, free from violence. Thank you for all that you have done and continue to do. Okay, so if you're someone living in fear of violence, generally, or okay, let's give them their their phrase they love more than anything, gun violence, I'm sorry. I don't separate violence. I don't. Uh, I don't change my description of violence based on the weapon that was used. If someone stabs me, I don't call it knife violence. I just call it violence. If somebody punches me in the face, I don't call it fist violence. It's just violence. But they love saying gun violence because, of course, that demonizes firearms, which is a whole part of the agenda. So nah, it's not a surprise to anybody. We've heard that for a generation or more. But here they're saying, all right, we're, 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 when, when someone hears, the audience that listened to that speech from the Rose Garden, from the Vice President of the United States, Kamala Harris, who said, all right, we're going to fight to limit gun violence. And then here's something that really caught my attention. She said, because you have a right to live free of the threat of gun violence. And you hear this a lot. People say, look, you want to talk about your Second Amendment rights guy all the time. Well, I have a right to live without fear of being shot. And my right to live without fear of being shot dominates, is superior to your right to possess a firearm. You know what I always you know what I always say? That's why I must go down that road. I always go. Well, of course you have a right to live free of violence. That's why there's crimes against illegal violence. Kamala Harris says, you have a right to live free of gun violence. Well, of course you do. That's absolutely true. You have a right to live free of gun violence because if somebody tries to shoot you or, in fact, shoots you, they go to prison. There's never been a defense in the history of anybody shooting any other person. There's never been an, an argument in court where somebody comes to court and says, you know, what are you being accused of here? Well, they say I shot this person. Oh, well, what do you have to say about that? Well, they have no right to live free of gun violence. My right to shoot them is more important. Has anybody ever made that legal argument in the history of the universe? No, of course not. You can say my use of force was justified because it was in self-defense or defense of a third person. That's completely different. But there's never been an argument to say I, I, there's no right to live free of gun violence in the sense that an innocent person 
can't say other people can't hurt them because other people have a right to hurt them. No, outside the context of self-defense or defense of innocent third persons, no one's ever made that argument. So this ridiculous thing of you have a right to live free of gun violence, oh, of course you do. And that's why no one can, can, can unlawfully hurt you in any way. Punch you, stab you, shoot you, doesn't matter. Of course you have that right. You've always had that right. Since there have been laws in society, you've had that right. But you can have that right, and I can have a right to own firearms and to carry firearms and to own and carry the firearm of my choice. And your right coexists with my right. My right is not inconsistent with your right. I can, I can, ha- I can own whatever. F- I can, yes, I can own an AR-15 or several. I can own a machine gun. I can own a tank or a cannon. And yes, President Biden, you can own a tank. You can own a cannon. And you could own a cannon at the time of the ratification of the Second Amendment. But I can own whatever legal firearms that I care to own under my Second Amendment rights, and you can have a right to be free of violence, and those rights coexist. When do those rights potentially not coexist? When do those rights conflict? I would say never. But let's say I take my gun that I lawfully own, and I try to unlawfully hurt you with it. Can I rely on the Second Amendment? Can I say, oh, well, I have a Second Amendment right to bear arms, therefore I can shoot this innocent person sitting in their their living room at home? Of course not. Does the Second Amendment protect that right? No, and it never has. So when you hear this argument, well, your right to own a gun is secondary to my right to live free of violence. It's so completely ridiculous. They're not inconsistent rights, and they never have been. And that's why this speech by Kamala that goes right down, it's predictable. Everybody, if you're sitting on the radio right now going, what, guy, is a surprise? Of course not. I've been listening to this for a damn long time. I'm old, and I've been involved in this for a while. So none of us a surprise, but don't give in to that. Don't get caught up in it. Don't don't allow that argument to ever have any success. Don't allow it to have the light of day. My right to live free of gun violence, superior to your Second Amendment rights. Well, no, you have that right. I have my right, and there's no reason to say one's superior to the other unless they conflict, and there's no reason for them to ever conflict. Because my Second Amendment right gives me no right to hurt you. And the Second Amendment rights of anybody else on this planet gives gives me no right to hurt you. Outside the context of lawful and justified self-defense. That's the easy answer to that. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. But here's what you're going to see out of this. And, and, and part of this does raise some concern, not because I think Kamala Harris is going to be effective at doing anything she sets out to do, But to the extent that the White House starts directing agencies like, oh, say, the ATF to take certain actions, unfortunately, we've seen 
that happened over and over here recently. I mean, just look. I mean, and and frankly, I'm sorry, we got to call a spade a spade. We got to be honest. President Trump started this snowball rolling down the hill with let's ban bump stocks after the Las Vegas shooting. And listen, I enthusiastically voted for President Trump in, in two general elections. And I would do so again were he the nominee. But he made a major mistake on the Second Amendment and showed himself to be not particularly strong on the Second Amendment when, after Las Vegas, came out and said, oh, that's it, bump stocks are gone, and he told the ATF to make him illegal. He didn't call on Congress to pass a law to make him illegal. He told the ATF to make him illegal. Big difference. Big difference, because your elected representatives in Congress had nothing to say about it. It bypassed the legislative process. And the career bureaucrats at the ATF, and I'm not talking about the rank and file and the enforcement people, I'm talking about the bureaucrats at the management level who care more about remaining bureaucrats than they do about your freedoms, said, sure, President Trump will do exactly what you want. And they made bump stocks illegal. And look, a lot of people said, oh, well, we don't care much about bump stocks. Bump stocks are stupid. I said bump stocks are stupid, but I, I care a lot about the process by which they were made illegal because it did not involve Congress. It involved ATF simply amending a regulation. And in their regulation, by all intents and purposes, changed the language of Congress. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. That's not how separation of powers works. We gave the executive agents, the executive branch, excuse me, executive powers, which means they enforce the law. We gave the judicial branch judicial powers, which is they interpret the law. And we gave the legislative branch, very importantly, the ability to make the law. When ATF changes a regulation and changes the law, they're doing something that they were never intended to do, not by the founders of this country. And Trump went down that road, and it was a huge mistake. And since then, what have we seen? Oh, now ghost guns are illegal. Did Congress do that? No. Now pistol braces have to be registered as short-barreled rifles if they're attached to a gun with a, a barrel less than 16 inches. Did Congress do that? No. And it goes on and on. You know exactly the examples I'm going to cite. It started with bump stocks, but now under Biden, it's just gotten worse. So what you're going to see under this newly formed Office of Gun Violence Protection, since it's sitting there in the White House, is, yeah, they'll whine at Congress, oh, you need to pass an assault weapon ban. Okay. They've been doing that for a damn long time. You're going to whine at Congress. Oh, we need a high-capacity magazine ban. Uh, more news on that front in a bit. They'll whine at Congress about what they want Congress to do. But given the fact that Congress is actually elected by people back in their home jurisdictions and will vote for them or against them based on what they do in Congress, that's very unlikely to pass. And they know that, just like you know that and I know that. So what are they going to do? In this newly formed office of gun violence prevention. They're going to they're going to go to ATF. They're going to go to FBI and say, 
do whatever you got to do to deny every possible person a background check when they're trying to buy a gun. Any ostensible reason. Deny the background check. I'm already seeing that. I think that order's already gone out. I mean, people have had felonies expunged or had felonies reduced to misdemeanors. They're fully capable. They're fully legal to possess a gun, buy a gun. FBI's denying them left and right. This has happened a bunch. I think an order's come down from the White House to say, screw these people over. You know they're legal. We know they're legal. We just want to mess with people's Second Amendment rights. I absolutely believe that's true. At the interannual meeting here in town, here in Indy, a few months ago, I went by the, the, the NICS desk, the National Instant Criminal Background Check System of the FBI. They had a booth. They had, they had a, it wasn't very big. It was a, a table or two there in the exhibition hall at the NRA annual meeting. And I went by and I got to talk to the lady who runs overseas, I think is the way she put it, the NICS people doing background checks for people out of Indiana. And I got to say, why are you doing this? And she looked at me like I had no idea what I was talking about. I go, why are you denying people who have had felonies expunged? She goes, well, there's some question about an Indiana, whether an Indiana expungement restores your gun rights. I go, no, 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 there's no question about that. I've got a letter right here. I can show you. I can get into my file on my phone and show you a letter from the Department of Justice and the FBI that says an Indiana expungement absolutely does restore your gun rights. I got a letter from your boss at the Department of Justice. Don't tell me there's some question. Well, I think it may take some further analysis. No, we've done the analysis. You were denying a bunch of these, and we went to you and you complained, and so you asked for the Indiana Attorney General to issue an official legal opinion about whether an Indiana expungement restores gun rights. And Curtis Hill, bless his heart, Say what you want about Curtis Hill. He is strong on the Second Amendment, and he is a strong conservative. Curtis Hill wrote this awesome, multi-page, like seven, eight-page opinion that said, absolutely, an Indiana expungement restores gun rights at the request of the Department of Justice. And he sent them that to, to you people, and you people said, wow, looks right to me, and you're still screwing these people over. This is intentional. Well, we're going to have to take a look at that. I'm telling you, that's what you're going to see out of this newly formed Office of Gun Violence Prevention. You're going to see the White House telling administrative agencies to mess with your... Man, it's so hard not to cuss on the radio, Carl. It's just really hard. Mess. To mess is the word we'll use with your Second Amendment rights. That's what you're going to see. You're not going to see any laws change. You're not going to see anything that actually... It's legal or constitutional, but we're going to have to fight it bit by bit, piece by piece. I mean, that's what I do for a living. That's the reason I formed the two-way project, so we can fight these bastards. Yeah, I can say bastards, damn it. Carl's laughing, so I think I'm okay on that. He's not hitting the dump button. So we can fight the bastards right there on the ground where they live and just say, no, you're trying to do that. That's illegal, and we will fight you on this, and we will win. Hey, thanks for checking out the podcast. We appreciate it. But make sure you join us live at WIBC.com to stream or at 93.1 FM in Central Indiana for The Gun Guy Show every Saturday, 5 to 7.